You're listening to Hive Hoops, a Charlotte Hornets podcast. Here's your host, Joshua Balta. It is NBA Draft Lottery Week. We are going to find out where the Charlotte Hornets will be selecting in the next just few hours. Not, well, today, of course, because this episode is going to drop on Monday, but it's not much longer, right? We've been looking forward to this for months because the season was over for the Charlotte Hornets, what, back in December? With all of the injuries, LaMelo Ball stepping on the fan's foot, going out, being injured again. There was a little hope prior to that that the season could be salvaged. After that, it all dissipated. We've all been looking forward to May 16th, 2023, for like five months now. It's nearly here. We are going to find out in short amount of time where the Charlotte Hornets are going to be selecting. On this episode, we're going to run through the odds that the Hornets have at each and every pick. So we're going to give you the percentages. We're going to give you a Wimby preview, our official Hive Hoops Wimby preview, and all of the hype around him. Going to go through the Hornets' picks, all five of the picks that they have that they acquired in that infamous trade. Not all of them, but quite a few in that infamous trade last season on draft night in the Jalen Duran trade. And then there's just been a string of coaches being fired here recently. Monty Williams, Nick Nurse, Mike Budenholzer, just to name a couple with championship pedigree, with NBA titles attached to their names. And so we're going to look into that, what that could mean for the Hornets, what should it mean for the Hornets. But first... NBA Draft Lottery Week. Hornets have no ch- no shot at falling less than number eight. So there's been a lot of conversation. I've seen it online, and I know the running joke is the Hornets are the 11th pick each and every year. And, you know, obviously that did not happen last year. The Hornets were 13th. And the year prior, yes, <laughs> they were the 11th pick. And then the year prior, they were the third pick. That's the year that, of course, the Charlotte Hornets drafted LaMelo Ball. But this year, the odds at each pick are as follows. For the first pick, the Charlotte Hornets have a 12.5% chance at landing Victor Wimbenyama. Now, that is the fourth best overall odds for any team, that is. At 12 and a half. Number two, the second overall pick, the Hornets have a 12.2% chance at landing Scoot. Now, would they be the one of the teams that's like, you know what? We have a plethora of two guards. We really need a wing. We don't have we don't have a lot of depth at the wing position. Do we need to go Brandon Miller here? I hope not. Don't overthink it. Don't do it. There's no reason for it. But moving on to three, 11.9% odds at landing the third overall selection and 11.5% odds at landing the fourth overall selection. So the Charlotte Hornets have a 48% chance of landing within the top four. 
And so you have to imagine that that's going to land you one of either Wimbenyama, Scoot, Brandon Miller, and then fourth is kind of up in the air. Maybe you get a Thompson twin. Maybe you get Cam Whitmore. Maybe you get a Jairus Walker. But you're going to land one of those players. You're probably going to land one of those players anyways, no matter where you end up, since, as previously stated, the Charlotte Hornets cannot fall past eight. No matter what happens, they cannot fall past eight, but they have a 48% chance of landing in the top four. Now, once you get to fifth, okay, this is where the the odds dwindle, but then they all of a sudden really go up as well. The Charlotte Hornets have a 7.2% chance of landing the fifth overall selection. Now, this is where it gets tricky. This is where it, it kind of hurts. The Charlotte Hornets have a 25.7% chance at landing the sixth overall pick. So this is the single pick that the Charlotte Hornets on a normal simulation and, you know, just speaking by averages, this is the single spot that the Charlotte Hornets have the greatest chance of landing at is the sixth overall pick and that's because the way the lottery odds go is these lower lottery teams who don't have a high chance at jumping into the top four yet they do have some chances each team takes percentage points away because like for instance the pelicans all right they they have the 14th you know spot currently in the lottery they have 0.5 at 1, 0.6 at 2, 0.6 at 3, and 0.7 at 4. So combined, you're looking at what? A 2.5% chance that they bump up into a top four spot, which isn't high. But then you add all of those tiny numbers up between the Pelicans and the Raptors and the Thunder and the Bulls and the Mavs and the Jazz, and you take all of their small points – that they have a shot at moving into the top four, that's where this giant number comes for the Hornets at the sixth overall pick. Now, as I stated, if the Hornets land sixth, there's a good chance you probably still end up with a Thompson twin or Cam Whitmore or Jairus Walker. One of those guys is should, will, not even should, just by sheer numbers, one of those guys will be there at six. So you should still get a good player or a good prospect with tons of talent and specific areas of strength. And so, but we don't want that, right? I mean, we could talk ourselves into Jairus Walker all day or Osar Thompson or, you know, one of these guys. At the, at the end of the day, we won't win. Uh, but seven, seven is still high. Seven is actually the second highest odds for a single pick for the Charlotte Hornets, and it's 16.8%. And so more than likely, all right, when you add those together, when you're looking at 25 and 16, all right, that's going to give you 41, and then with the additional, uh, you know, half percentages and things like that, the Charlotte Hornets have a 42% chance at landing six or seven. So a 48% chance at moving into the top four and then a 42% chance at landing six or seven. So that's your bulk. If the Hornets land fifth or eighth, 
it's an anomaly. They should either be one, two, three, four, or six, seven. And then lastly, if the Hornets land eighth, we just we're cursed. Probably if the Hornets land seventh, even, you know, even though their odds are so high, um, at landing seven still with one of these bottom teams. I mean, do you want the Mavs jumping you? Hell no. What if what what have the Mavs done to to deserve a top four pick in this draft? You don't want that. Do we want the Pelicans jumping the Hornets? Hell no, we do not. I mean, you want you want to have PTSD? I mean, that will bring back all of the horrors for us Charlotte fans. Do not want that. AD, the infamous, I keep saying infamous, the infamous uh, draft uh, lottery night, worst record in NBA history, and don't even land with the first overall pick but by the league-owned New Orleans franchise at the time. Oh, my gosh. Just, I kind of get where people say it's rigged. I don't believe it's rigged. That's me personally. But, I mean, how can, you can look at that and not think, okay, this might be a little rigged. But the eighth, I, I'm stalling. The eighth overall uh, position, the Charlotte Hornets have a 2.2% chance of landing eighth overall. So if they land that, that is by far their smallest odds of any pick. So if the Charlotte Hornets move back to eighth, if they open up that envelope and you see the Charlotte Hornets logo on the eighth overall pick, I don't know what to tell you guys. It's going to be the – I thought that last summer was a low and then this past season for much of it until the end when we started seeing Mark Williams' development, when we went on that five-game winning streak when the team was healthy and you could see, you know, the path to success. You could see some of the the play and the, you know, what the front office had in mind when this team is healthy and it's pieced together, even without Miles Bridges. You could see, and there was a little bit of hope around the uh, around the city, around this franchise, around the fan base, just for it to go crashing back down. But that wasn't the majority of the season. The majority of the season was pain and despair and wondering if we were ever going to get out of the bottom, out of the cellar. If the Charlotte Hornets land the eighth overall pick tomorrow night, you are going to see this franchise and this fan base. Not the franchise. Franchise is going to act. They're going to try to act professional and be like, yeah, no, we're going to get a really good player at eight. But you're going to see this fan base fall into a new low that maybe you've never seen before. And so basketball gods, if you exist, because you haven't been good to us, you have not treated us well. You have not been there for the Charlotte Hornets and this Charlotte Hornets fan base. If you exist, if you are out there, we beg and plead. We beg and plead. This is an opportunity for everything to change. And if the Charlotte Hornets slip to 6, 7, 8, I mean, it's, uh, it's going to be bleak. And even though... We still might get a good player. There's going to be a lot of people trying to talk you in. Hey, the Charlotte Hornets are still going to get a good player. 
but is it going to be a franchise-altering player? And I just don't believe that's the case. I've looked at this draft. A lot of people are high on the draft, and I get why. There are a lot of players to be excited about. But franchise-altering players, I don't see that many of them. I see some good players. I see, you know, 10-year rotational players all throughout the lottery. I'm not worried about solid rotational players. But when you're the Charlotte Hornets and you have one of the higher odds at landing a generational talent in Victor Wimbanyama, even a Scoot Henderson with his athleticism and his ability, you know, his speed in which he plays and, you know, his ability to also facilitate and even defensive awareness. He didn't play that great this past season in the G League, but it's there. The, the, the intangibles are there. The attributes are there to where he can be a good defensive player in the league using his speed, using his uh, his length. He's not tall, but he's lengthy. He's got a long, uh, you know, arm span. And so it's there. But when I look at this draft, there's a lot of good players, but I don't see a lot of franchise-altering players. And that's why, that's why there's so much hype about Victor Wimbanyama. Because with Wimby, even if Wimby, okay, even the one thing with Wimby, I'm gonna I'm gonna start somewhere else than I was about to. The the thing with Wimby, if he does not become just continuously injured, and he's not dealing with injuries throughout his career, he is going to be a success in the NBA. That's the only concern that anybody has. If Wimby does not deal with injuries, he is going to be a star in this league. And so uh, about, it was probably a month and a half ago, maybe even two months ago at this point, we already knew who the top, who the, I get. I was about to say top, I guess bottom four teams would be with the top four lottery odds. I guess you could go negative or positive spin there, whichever one you want to look at, right? But Jonathan Gavoni went on Zach Lowe's podcast. It was the, it, it, let me say infamous one more time. It was the infamous episode that pissed me off because those two guys, Zach Lowe, Jonathan Gavoni, were on there and they're talking about Victor Wimbenyama, giant preview on him, went to France, met with his people and his camp and spoke with them, did all of these things. And then they basically ranked which of the bottom four teams or the top four teams with the best lottery odds would be the best fit for Victor Wimbanyama. And both of them had Charlotte, the Charlotte Hornets fourth, which is just stupid. I, I, I mean, nobody else has an all-star on their team. Nobody. Detroit not, does not have an all-star. Houston does not have an all-star. San Antonio does not have an all-star. The Charlotte Hornets have an all-star. The Charlotte Hornets also have a center. These other teams... Okay, Detroit has a lot of centers, but you don't know which one's going to end up actually playing for them and winning that starting role. Um, the Houston Rockets, yes, they have an offensive center, but he can't play both ways. I, I like Shangun. I think he's a good offensive player. But that's where it stops. And then the San Antonio Spurs don't have anybody there. Now, do they have some 
additional options in the wings and different things like that, San Antonio, sure. But the Charlotte Hornets have P.J. Washington, and honestly, I would put P.J. up against any of those guys at in Detroit. Uh, maybe I might would take I, – I mean, at this point, I'd, I'd take P.J. over Jabari. Maybe Jabari has a higher ceiling. But right now, P.J.'s the better player, especially the better two-way player. I know P.J. gets a lot of hate, but defensively, P.J.'s the better defensive player than Jabari right now. And so – I'm not going to get into that episode too much. Don't go back and listen to it. It'll piss you off too if you're a Hornets fan. But the thing that Jonathan Gavoni spoke about was the physical trainers that Victor Wimbanyama has and that he is spending two to three sessions per day on his body and that they are working on his feet and how to land and working out his muscles and creating, you know, almost like manufacturing the arch on his foot, the way that they are treating him, the way that they are assessing his body so that injuries will not be something that he deals with. I mean, he's doing stuff that no one has really done before. And so here's the thing with Wimby. Here's our official Hive Hoops Wimby preview. If he does not deal with injuries, the guy's going to be a star. Even if he does not reach his offensive heights, his defensive capabilities and his defensive attributes will make him a star. His length, his size, his ability to react, his ability to get himself in a position to where he can help, and then his length in order to be able to close out because he doesn't want to play center. He wants to play power forward, right? And that's where he would play in Charlotte. He would play the four in Charlotte. And so he has the length even when he's helping and he could – you know, pr help protect the rim, or if Mark Williams gets in uh, foul trouble, and then we bring in a backup center, Nick Richards, and then Wimby's playing alongside uh, Nick Richards or Mark Williams, no matter what the case is. At all times, you could have two guys out there who are seven foot plus for the Hornets, and one of them not hurt you offensively as far as clogging the lane because he can shoot it from outside. And then even if that's not his capabilities and he doesn't live up to the offensive hype, the defensive hype is there and it will always be there. So at minimum, he is going to be a defensive stalwart in this league and he's still going to give you double-digit points. He's still going to you know, offer spacing. He's still going to give you rim protection. All of those things. Shot making. Nobody's going to be able to block his shot. He's going to be able to get a shot off. Well, maybe. Dennis Smith Jr. Dennis Smith Jr. might be able to rise up and block his shots a couple times in, uh, in in practice. But good thing he plays for us, right? And so he's going to be a stud, guys. And even if he doesn't live up to the offensive hype, the defensive hype is there, and it will not only be hype, it will translate immediately. Immediately. And what does this team need? They need more defense. And I know the team was looking better down the stretch this past season under Clifford with the guys, but you can, I mean, yes, Wimby will boost all of the defensive abilities of this team. Get him here now. The Charlotte Hornets have the lottery pick that will be no lower than eight. They also have pick 27, which is another first-round pick, right? And then they also have pick 34, 
right? And then I believe it's 39 and 42. And so the Charlotte Hornets have pick after pick after pick in this upcoming NBA draft. If the Charlotte Hornets land outside of, and I'm going to, we're going to have more episodes on this in the future once we actually know where the Hornets are picking in the lottery. The Hornets are not going to choose a player with all five of these picks. I mean, the reason behind uh, Mitch Kupchak trading away pick 13 last year was because we don't want too many young guys on this roster. We already have a lot, and we don't need to just fill it up with more young guys. Okay, whatever, man. Um, If you didn't want Jalen Duran, just say you didn't want Jalen Duran. I mean, I, we, we know that you like Mark Williams better, but just say that you didn't like uh, Jalen Duran. But, I mean, we still could have had another guy there, like Abaji or um, – Who's the guy that went to the Hawks? Duke player. I'm blanking on the guy's name. Anyways, showed some showed some promise. You know, some wing players that can shoot the three, but that can also uh, defend a little bit. Older guys, NBA ready. Anyways, once we know where the Hornets are picking, for sure we will be able to uh, talk a little bit more about this. But for now, the Hornets are not picking at all five of those uh, spots. They will move some of them, trade for them, might even uh, you know acquire a player on draft night from another team, a veteran, something like that. Or this is what I'm thinking. If the Charlotte Hornets do not land a top three pick, I could see Mitch Kupchak getting on the phone, bundling some of these picks, trying to get into the top three. Now, is anybody going to give up pick one? I do not believe so. Nobody is trading Wimby. There's been some talks like who would – who in the league would you trade for Wimby? Some people have said, like, where does the cutoff uh, begin? Some people say, like, Luka's the cutoff. Nobody's trading. Like, the Mavs would not trade Luka for Wimby. And I get that. Um, Steph Curry, that the Warriors would not trade Steph Curry for Wimby. I guess I kind of get that. But Steph's also, what, only got a handful of years left. Um, so... To me, I mean, I'm I I probably wouldn't just because Steph Curry's a top five player in the NBA currently, and you don't know exactly what Wimby is going to be, so I wouldn't do that either. But I can see a realm where somebody's just totally in love with them and says, "Well, I mean, I guess that somebody would be the Golden State Warriors and trade," but that's not going to happen. I could see Mitch Kupchak calling a team and saying, "Hey, we're going to give you pick." what six we'll give you six and 27 uh to move up to three so if they put themselves in the scoot or the brandon miller conversation uh but we'll talk about that more on future episodes but i do believe the hornets will bundle they're not going to select a rookie and mitch kupchak said this weeks ago at the end of the season presser he said we're not picking with all of these uh picks essentially that's uh, you know, I'm paraphrasing, but that's what he said. That concludes our NBA draft lottery coverage. Moving on. Monty Williams, Nick Nurse, Mike Budenholzer in the last few weeks have all been fired. Mike uh, Budenholzer, Nick Nurse, both championship NBA finals winning coaches here just in the last, what, five years? And then Monty Williams had the Suns in the finals two seasons ago, 
and then uh, had them in the playoffs last year, of course. I think, what, they had a second-round exit. And then uh, this season, once again, added KD midseason. You have KD, you have Booker, you have CP3, you have DeAndre Ayton. You even have playoff campaign scoring 30 points in game six, even though the Suns got blown out by 30. You got a lot of stuff going on, but you got some players there, right? But Monty Williams is let go. Nick Nurse is let go. Mike Budenholzer is let go. This tell no one is safe. Absolutely no one is safe anywhere. And I mean, I know that these franchises have high expectations. Budenholzer, I mean, you have Giannis, you have Brooke Lopez, you have Drew Holiday, you have two first-team all-NBA defensive players. I believe Drew Holiday and Brooke Lopez both made first-team. And then you have Giannis on top of that, who is, I mean, you could argue that he might be the best defensive player in the league. Um, And you just fell short. I mean, you got waxed by an eight seed in Miami who this might be their worst Miami team that we've seen in a while. Um, And so that one was tough. Nick Nurse doesn't even make the playoffs with his roster. Uh, And then Monty Williams obviously falls short with KD Booker. Aiton and those guys. To me, even though these coaches got fired, and even though you could say, yeah, but they, you know, they underperformed, possibly even, you know, all year. I don't think the Bucks did. I mean, they were the one seed. How how can you say one seed underperformed? Um, Suns did to a large degree, but then you get KD, you're like, okay, this thing's about to turn up. You could say that these teams underperformed, but if we're being honest, and I like Cliff. I like Cliff. I like what he did I with what he had, with what he was working with. I like what Cliff did this past season. The kids, you know, he, he really gave guys chances. He gave James Booknight chances. He gave JT Thor numerous chances, and JT Thor did something with it. He ended up giving Mark Williams chances. And we saw Dennis Smith Jr. He gave him a second, you know, shot at reviving his NBA career. It looked dead, and he revived it. And so Steve Clifford got things out of these guys that other coaches had failed to do so in the past, no matter where they were. And so, and towards the end of the season, defense was much better. The rotations looked a lot better. Uh, We weren't looking as lost defensively. And so the team really did show improvements. They kept fighting. We didn't lean into the tank like Houston and like Detroit, who were just awful down the stretch, but continued to build culture and winning habits. Winning habits, I think, was the, the biggest thing. Never gave into the tank talk. And so I like Cliff. But, guys, I, th- I think we're lying to ourselves. If two to three years from now, we look back on this offseason when Monty Williams, Nick Nurse, guys of their caliber were available, and we did nothing to go out and even contact them, or try to bring them to Charlotte because we were like, yeah, but we got Cliff. I th- like, 
I like Cliff. I want to reiterate that. I like Steve Clifford. I think he did a good job last year. I know some people do not believe that, but I do. With what he had, I believe Steve Clifford did a good job. There was a better product at the end of the season than there was at the beginning, which is pretty typical of Steve Clifford teams. But there is a ceiling to Steve Clifford teams, especially offensively. There is a ceiling to Steve Clifford teams when he is already into his 60s. All of these guys we just mentioned are a decade younger than Steve Clifford. Steve Clifford, there's been talk if he was going to be back next season. Should should Steve Clifford return? The Charlotte Hornets are basically doing a one-and-one trial year, see how it is, pick up his option, and then the contract is over. That's what the talk coming out is. We we generally, we as the public, we we generally don't get to see the in workings of coaching contracts. They're a little bit more stealthy uh, than player contracts. We always know about what players make and the deals they get and guaranteed money and you know this, that, and the third. Coaches' contracts are a little different. But when it comes to Steve Clifford, he could be out after this next season. I mean – if we don't get Wimby and even say that we remain healthy, I think that w- we can win 40, 45 games if we're healthy with a fully healthy LaMelo ball and, you know, Mark Williams' second year and the Hornets make some kind of deal somewhere. I don't, th- we won 27 games this past season and LaMelo ball missed 45 games. You don't think that we can pick up 13 more wins in out of 45 other tries? If we have a healthy LaMelo ball, we have a healthy Mark Williams who's playing, what, 70, 75 games throughout the season instead of just 35, 40? I think so. Couple that with P.J. Washington. Uh, you know, there's the looming addition of Miles Bridges possibly. Uh, just from a basketball standpoint, he should elevate the team. Even though he's missed an entire year, he still should. With all that being said, I think this team can be better, even if they don't get a a Wimby. But what is that ceiling? And as much as I'd like to say, yeah, I I like Steve Clifford, and I'd like to see him with a full, healthy team, what he could do. I'd rather see Monty Williams or Nick Nurse with a fully healthy Charlotte Hornets team and see what they can do. Even though I like Steve Clifford. I like Steve Clifford. But I'd rather see this team, a fully healthy Charlotte Hornets team, with Monty Williams or Nick Nurse than a fully healthy Charlotte Hornets team with Steve Clifford. That I, I mean, and I think we are lying to ourselves if we don't think that. In two to three years, maybe even one year, we could be sitting here next offseason, and if the Hornets have a disappointing end, they make it to the play-in again and lose out and don't make another you know, seven-game series in the actual playoffs or miss the play-in completely. I don't think that's going to happen, but if it does, Steve Clifford's not coming back, and then these guys have been picked up, and then once again – what are we doing? We're hunting for assistant coaches, and I'm not hating on that. There's some good assistant coaches across the league, but you 
But you want to talk about how last offseason, Mitch Kupchak said, we want somebody with experience, okay? We want somebody with head coaching experience. That's why they went after Kenny Atkinson. He was a former uh, head coach. That's why the Charlotte Hornets ended up landing with Steve Clifford once uh, Kenny Atkinson went full ass and uh, just ditched us on the side of the curb. That's why we ended up with Steve Clifford, because he had prior head coaching experience. So does Monty Williams. So does Nick Nurse. One's won a championship. The other has made it to a finals in recent years and to the second round of the playoffs. Now, did they underperform? Possibly. But that Suns team was pretty thin on the bench. And, I mean, KD is the, is the weakest superstar to ever play in the NBA men, uh, just mentally. He's just fragile. And if he doesn't have all of the right pieces surrounding him, he can't break through. I mean, look at those Thunder teams in their prime. Didn't win a championship, only made it to one finals. Got gentlemen swept in the finals that they did make. Had to go to the to the team that beat his team and won the most games in NBA history in order to win a championship. So, I mean, that doesn't move me. I, I, I'm not faulting Monty Williams for those losses. That's much more on the players. I like Steve Clifford. If I can get Monty Williams or Nick Nurse in Charlotte, I'm doing it today. I'm doing it yesterday. If we could get Steve Clifford to move to a different role, maybe like, you know, I don't know, president of basketball development, and he's working in practice with the guys and implementing some things, and you could talk. I mean, he's worked in assistant roles before. Would that be kind of sorry maybe? Possibly, but I mean, if you're just honest, you're like, hey, Steve, you're not the long-term option. You're in your 60s, man. We could go out here. We could get these coaches that – are just now entering into their 50s. Nick Nurse is much younger than that. Monty Williams is, what, uh, 51, I believe, which is a full decade younger than Steve Clifford. Come on, I'm doing it. I'm doing it yesterday. I'm doing it yesterday. Thanks for jumping on another episode of Hive Hoops. We will be coming at you all week. We're going to have a NBA lottery reaction episode dropping Wednesday. Stay tuned for more content. Be sure to check us out at Hive Hoops on Twitter. Also, Hornets lead on Twitter. Uh, and then be sure to rate, subscribe, review, follow all of the things. You guys know what to do. Until next time, adios. Thanks for listening to Hive Hoops. Presented by The League. Be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, be sure to leave a review and let us know what you thought of the episode. Thanks again from Hive Hoops.